You're listening to 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. Welcome to the program once again. Your favorite Jewish news, views, and analysis show. And uh, it's good to be with you once again if you're listening to us on 101.9 Chai FM or chaifm.com. Or if you're on the Jerusalem Post, it is great to be with you and welcome to the show. Now, a country that's been in the news for a very long time with uh, some unfortunate aspects to it has been the country of Libya. And we're going to be looking today at Libya as a country and particularly what does it mean for its Jewish population that has lived in Libya for uh, a very long time but doesn't live there today. And uh, we are going to be exploring that issue. And the best person to be doing that with is a guy. We have him on the line all the way from Israel. He is David Jerby, and uh, he is the head or the representative of the World Organization of Libyan Jury. David, thank you so much, and welcome to the New Blue Review. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. I'm happy to be back uh, with uh, South Africa. Last time it was in 2011 with the interview of uh, Cape Voice, so I'm glad to be back with you. I, uh, I suppose we're not the Cape Voice, but uh, it's happy to have you with us nonetheless. <laughs> Uh, Dave, uh, perhaps start us off by telling us, uh, people who maybe don't know about Libya, uh, what 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 is the history of Jewish community life in Libya like? Uh, the Libyan Jewish community, which went back 2,500 uh, years, has ceased to exist just uh, uh, now. Now is the fifth years that we went out from Libya. But its decline began in the 40s with the application of Italian racial laws. The Libyan Jew interment in the concentration camps and the pogrom under the British administration. This led the large majority of Libyan Jews to emigrate to Israel after its uh, establishment. The community situation continued to deteriorate after Libyan independence in 1952. The country, violence, uh, nationalism uh, expressed itself in anti-Israeli and anti-Jewish policy. The Arab League's boycott of Israel damaged Libyan Jewish economically, and in the 60s, the Libyan government restricted the Jews' civil and religious liberty. The situation culminated in violent uh, pogrom against the community at the time of the Six-Day War, leading to its evacuation from Libya. And I evacuated, and I was uh, 12 years old, now, soon I will be 62, and uh, this is what happened exactly 50 years ago, that is uh, on 5th of June, it's going to be 50 years, and this is the how this all started. The Jewish Libya that went uh, out, uh, there I've been also in the concentration camp in Jado, in, the, in a place, small place in Libya, that also has been affected by the Russian law and the pogrom where many Jews have been uh, killed. But also it was a period before the 40, before the Russian law, it was a period of uh, uh, tolerance, of uh, friendship, of uh, peaceful coexistence, uh, and that the three religions, the Jewish, the Christian, and the Muslim, could coexist with the minority of the tribe. You know, they have their the tabu that is on the south, is another minority, the Tuarga, Tuareg is another minority, the Amazigh, that uh, normally you call them the Berber, is another minority, and there was another minority in Misrata, so the minority were respected, but then after 
the 60, the Libyan government uh, changed all the law, and uh, unfortunately, in 67, at that time, it was the monarchy, the King Idris, who was in power. So Gaddafi just arrived in 1969. So in 67, it was a true Nasser that uh, encouraged the, the Libyan to kill and to slaughter the, 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 all the Jews because they say that uh, uh, they won uh, the war against Israel and they should eliminate the Jew. So the people came out encouraged by the radio of Egypt to, to kill the Jew. Many people have been killed, many houses have been burned and the shops so we stay 40 days inside the house with a curfew. And then uh, it was uh, not easy, the situation. Uh, we asked the government to protect us. King Idris say at a certain po point that he could not guarantee our security. So the people started to beg uh, and to ask uh, to leave. And then we left with one luggage and 20 sterling uh, pound, 20 pounds. And that's all the property. So we left in 1967 after 40 days of uh, disorder to save our life. So we left there all the property, the collective property and the individual property. The schools, uh, the cemetery, the synagogues, uh, the Talmud Torah Center and a lot, a lot of uh, property. And also the activity and the friendship. So it was very difficult. We moved since uh, Libya was an Italian colony. The closest place to move was uh, Rome. And uh, the Jewish community of Rome welcomed us. Before this, uh, some of the people went uh, in, a, in, a, in a refugee camp uh, outside Rome, and then has been welcomed uh, by the Jewish community that uh, then some of them stay in Rome with the hope uh, to go back soon and to take the property or to go back soon and to continue to live there like it's happening in Tunisia and in Morocco where they still are living there. All other people say it's enough, uh, we want to move in Israel. So some of them with the Zionist spirit went to Israel and start a new life and like in my family I have Two, uh, we are six, I have uh, two sisters and three brothers. So one sister and me and my brother, we are living in Rome. One sister and two brothers, they live in Israel. So the, the family has been fragmented with the people that believe more in uh, living in Israel as a Zionist and uh, people who are not uh, living in Israel. So this is uh, mostly of the Jewish family, uh, took this uh, this way. Also, it was... Uh, uh, are you still there with me? Yeah, yeah, we are still here. We're listening. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so, this is the same situation happened with most of the Jewish family, but uh, uh, the reason also why many of uh, the Libyan Jews stay in uh, Rome, and a few of them in Milano, in Livorno, in Modena, but the majority in Rome, the, where we started to build the, the synagogue here. We have now six synagogues of Libyan Jews with the same liturgy, with the same tradition that has been uh, kept. Uh, the reason is also because uh, they marry between the Libyan Jew and the Roman Jew. So the family has been mixed 
has been also here intermarried between a Jew and non-Jew. So the people start to put roots here. So they have the children here. Other people that went in Israel, they marry in Israel. So the, the roots become more the Israeli roots. So the Jewish community now exists, the Libyan Jewish community exists in a virtual way. There are a lot of Facebook page regarding the Libyan Jew. There are WhatsApp group regarding the Libyan Jew. In particular, in this period, because of, of the 50th anniversary that is going to be the, sixth, the, the 5th of June, there is a lot of activity going on now in, uh, in June in uh, Italy and in Israel about uh, the, the remembrance of the 50th anniversary of the expulsion of Libya. So it just came out in our uh, journal of the Jewish community that uh, is called Shalom, just came out on the, uh, on the um, month of May, and it says uh, goodbye Libya. Fifty years ago, the Jew has been expelled. In Italy, they found a new country. So this is what's happened to the Jewish community uh, as a... As a as in general, uh, they, they try to do something like to memorize all the witness, because now there are just a few Libyan original Jew left that uh, become a disappearing community. Only remain the food, the cooking, the tradition, the singing, and the children of a couple of Jewish of a Jewish from Libya is more, more and more uh, often that uh, uh, they would keep the tradition. They still love to eat that kind of uh, food, uh, still to love that kind of song and the way to pray and all the Masoret and all the tradition related to the Libyan Jew. Mr. Jerry, uh, if, I, if I could just ask you something uh, on those traditions, certainly very interesting around the 50 years, uh, obviously a lot of focus on Jerusalem, but also, uh, of course, as you're saying, Jews that were expelled from various countries due to uh, the Six-Day War. Could you tell us, even before that, uh, all these different traditions that you're talking about uh, came out of the Jews that lived in Libya? How long did uh, Jews live in Libya for, and uh, how did they get there? So the Libyan that arrived in uh, 2,500 years ago, this is, uh, they said it's come at the time of the Cyrenaica, of the Syrene that arrived, some of them they say they arrived after the destruction of the temple. Some say that uh, they arrived also to do business in the Mediterranean. And uh, others say that uh, is related to, many of them is related to the, uh, to the to the Sephardi Jew, the Sephardi Jew that uh, arrived from there and uh, took a place in uh, in uh, in Tripoli, in Benghazi, and in uh, in Misrata, in the north, in the Jebel Nefusa and uh, and Jebel Lachter, in those areas. And so they would have been, if they were, had arrived at that stage, they would have had history with the Romans in that area, uh, with various of the empires that, that, that took over. Uh, do, does the community have recorded history of their engagements uh, with the different groups that controlled Libya over a number of years? 
Yes, yes. All this is documented. All this is documented in our museum, where there is all the record and all the the, the, the testimonial. And the, it was a strong, also to remember, it was a very strong rabbinical uh, institution. A lot of, uh, of the Zohar, of a lot of the Kabbalah, tradition came also from there. Now, at this day, when it was like Balmer, many of the Jewish people of Libya and also of Tunis, they went to a place it's called Jerba, that is near Tunisia. It's an island of Tunisia. They went there to do Ilula, Shel Rabbi Shimon by Yochai and like Baomer. This is uh, every year they go there. Last year they didn't go for safety and security reasons. This year the situation was more calm and they went there. And uh, this is uh, also a place uh, where the Libyan Jew feel that once a year they could go back to the roots because the, the similar tradition are between Tunisia and Libya. Like my, like my last name is Jerby and it's come from the island of Jerba. And the island of Jerba is very much related to Libyan Jew because uh, it's considered one of the synagogues, like Riba, one of the most famous synagogues uh, to, to the Kabbalah because uh, one of the stone, of the big stone of the temple, of the uh, second temple, has been brought exactly there. So there are a lot of tradition that they go there, they do interesting things. There is a cave there for people that want to be pregnant. Uh, they write their name in an egg and they put it under the cave, over uh, on the top of the cave there are the separate Torah and they light uh, olive oil candle and they make a special blessing in order for them to, to get pregnant. So there are a lot of tradition that, that is being kept and the Libyan Jews that are going there also to feel a little bit uh, the possibility to, to evaporate the nostalgia of Libya because they never went back uh, for 50 years. So they still feel the nostalgia and the helplessness uh, and the fear and uh, not the desire, but this conflict between desire and fear to go back and to see the roots and the house and, uh, and, the, and the place where they have been living. So I was lucky because... Uh, I was one who was able to go in uh, in Libya four times. The first time that I went back, it was because I discovered I, I wrote a book about the neurosis of the exile, and uh, and I discovered by coincidence uh, that last Jew of Libya, my aunt Rina Debash, was still alive. We saw that she was dead, but she was in a hospice. So after the, a lot of coincidence that happened, they asked me to write to Gaddafi in 2000. One in 2002, and uh, to go to visit her. So I went there and I visit her, and Gaddafi asked me if I can help Libya to normalize the relationship between uh, Libya and the rest of the world because it was the embargo. And uh, I had my chief rabbi, Tzikhonol Graha Elyotov, that helped me and uh, say uh, if uh, he wants to make peace, so we need to try to help. At the time, he was friendly with uh, Nelson Mandela and he was friendly with South Africa. So I had support also with South Africa. So I, I went back and I tried to do all that I could do to help normalize the relationship between uh, Libya and uh, USA because of what's happened with the Panama in 1988. 
So I've been uh, meeting with Elie Wiesel. I've been meeting also with uh, your Nobel Prize, uh, uh, um, what's his name, Desmond Tutu. And I was uh, with the Dalai Lama, trying to, to get support to help to normalize the relationship. And this is what uh, I did then, after 13 months, I could uh, help to make contact with uh, Tom Lantos, uh, that met with Gaddafi, and they started the normalization of the relationship by paying compensation for the victim of the, of the bombing of the Panama of 1988, that uh, they say that he was the one who organized everything. So at the end, uh, it was normalization, and uh, I, he gave me my aunt. I could bring my aunt out of Libya. She was the last Jew of Libya. And then he promised me that I could come back and uh, to, I am a psychologist, and I could uh, help the people of Libya from this neurosis of the exile, and I could restore the synagogue, that we have the, the great synagogue of, of Libya. So they invited me as a man of peace in 2007, uh, but then it was a struggle there to accept or not to accept the Jew, because uh, they did not how to distinguish Jew as a Jew or Jew as a Zionist and Israel. So all the issue about Israel-Palestinian create a lot of tension. Then I've been uh, treated as a VIP and then I've been put uh, in, uh, in under stress and under pressure to be controlled uh, and uh, because I've been considered not anymore as a Libyan Jew but as a suspicious uh, of uh, belong to Israel. So all the time... Mr. Jervi, sorry, we're just going to take a short break uh, and when we come back we'll be able to discuss a little bit more. We're talking to David Jervi. He is a representative of the organization of World Libyan Jury and we're talking about some of his experiences uh, in the lead-up to the, uh, the Six-Day War as well as the history of uh, Libyan Jury here on 101.9 High FM. Uh, Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. David, uh, just picking up on that, uh, you know, the fact that you did go back to to Libya and uh, try and rebuild and were, and were found, uh, you know, found that there was some hostility to it. I mean, did you ever meet Gaddafi? Uh, what was he like? Uh, this is still interview between us. Yeah, no, no, yeah, you're, you're back online. You're back online. I'm already back online. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I met uh, with Gaddafi. I met in uh, the 13th of uh, June uh, of 2009. I met him uh, in Rome when he met also with Berlusconi. And uh, he promised me that uh, I could go back and restore the synagogue in order to restore the relationship between the Libyan Jew and the Libyan Jew were part of the, of the Libyan. But then after this, uh, nothing happened. And uh, it was for me a very strong experience because the Jewish community didn't really want to meet because he asked to meet on Shabbat. So it was like a, a provocation in one side and in the other side it was an opportunity to see if it was possible to restore the relationship because he was the one that declared that they, all the Jewish property were confiscated and the Jew were not allowed to go back to Libya. So it was a very controversial but in order to make peace, you need to start to make a dialogue. The only way that you can start to normalize the relationship. So the Jew of Libya, they still uh, traumatized by, by this, but they feel very much uh, now in Rome and now in Israel, they all feel really, really happy about what's happened because they imagine if they would be 
if we would be still in Libya, what would be our destiny with all the situation and the chaos that is happening now? And so, you were quite involved with that at some point. I mean, you did actually return to Libya uh, and you actually worked with the rebels. Tell us about that experience. So I was telling you that my last interview, it was in 2011, and I was uh, invited actually by Charisse. She invited me to come, and I had many interviews about... Uh, because I did in 2008, after the success of this uh, operation that has been uh, uh, defined as a man of peace, and Libya was very grateful for me for what I did, I did a performance in uh, Cape Town, in Pretoria, in Johannesburg. Uh, the name of the performance was Making Peace with Gaddafi, an initiative and a potential model for established peace in the world. So I was doing this performance uh, in around... Uh, around uh, South Africa and uh, the Jewish community support. The Israeli embassy was the guest of, uh, of Ilan Baruch, he was the ambassador, and I was uh, doing this performance. In 2011, they invited me back, and actually, this is how it all started. I was doing the last interview before that I go, that I went to the airport, and it was with the voice of Cape. And I was telling that uh, I was uh, now against Gaddafi because uh, he wanted to to eliminate all the people of Benghazi because they disagree with him. Then I said he need to be stopped. So the people that heard my interview, they were also in Libya, and they say, okay, for you it's very easy to just talk and uh, do interview by television, by radio and whatever you want. But if you really want to help, you need to come here to be on the ground. As a psychology, you could do something. We need to... Then I decided to go. And I went and I be in touch with the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Italy. And I traveled from Rome to Cairo, from Cairo to Alexandria. And then it was very difficult at that time, very risky. And I arrived from Alexandria to Dar al Salum, Dar al Salum, Tobruk, Tobruk, Benghazi. And I've been uh, with the letter of the Minister of Foreign Affairs that I was going to work in the psychiatry of hospital of Benghazi. So I went there and I met the rebel and I met the the people and I tried to help and they even, uh, unfortunately, then they tried to eliminate me in the hotel. I was in the Tibesti Hotel and they told me, the administration told me it was dangerous for me to stay, even if they voted that they want me to be part of the parliament. They say, okay, now that's Gaddafi, you can be also Jewish and need to be represented. But they tried to eliminate me in, in the hotel, and then that, the, the Italian uh, military flight took me back to, to Rome, and then uh, I went back through the border of Tunisia to help the, the Jebel Fusa all the people uh, for the with the trauma and the support uh, supporting with my profession not in the hospital but in the group in the mountains so at that moment i had a lot of support but it's also there become danger when it became danger in the moment that they told me okay now you can go and uh, pray and they give me the permission to to restore the synagogue and to clean the synagogue they say, okay, so I cleaned the synagogue, it was full of garbage, full of animal, dead animal, and this synagogue, the Daipishi synagogue, is the synagogue that uh, still there. You have two Magen David on top and the Ten Commandments, but it was a wall block that would block the entrance. So I asked them, uh, uh, how can I clean it if there is a wall? I cannot go, it's all, all blocked. Then they told me, 
castle head. It means uh, break the wall. So I say, I just break the wall. I say, okay, break the wall and clean the synagogue. And I was preparing this. It was during uh, uh, August, September. I was preparing this with the wish that the then the delegation of the Jew of Libya would come here in Rosh Hashanah, in Tripoli, and uh, in Kippur and Sukkot to, to pray. I just needed to clean it, uh, to restore, to paint a little bit. And we had already the Sefer Torah that it was in a place that I saw it was there, the Sefer Torah, the Book of Prayer, everything. We need just uh, to take some chair and a table and uh, and then would be done in a very artisanal and art craft way, but would be possible. So everything went well, but then the, they they start to to relate to me with Israel, and then it was the people start to be against me, and they tried to to kill me, and they tried to to hurt me, and then the transitional national council they sent the ministers to protect me in the hotel, and then uh, the the 16 member of the Congress of USA they sent a letter, so it was a eco international that. Uh, for me, it was the freedom of religion and the coexistence as it was until '67, and I saw that it would start again. But then it was uh, not so successful because uh, the people become extremists and the people start to attack, uh, also protest and doing a big, big manifestation in Benghazi, in Tripoli, in the square, and also in, uh, in South Arabia. They, they were against uh, against. Uh, me, because for them I was representing Israel and I not, was not representing the Libyan Jew. And even there was again the, all the Libyan Jew that went to live in Israel because it was a betray. And they had in their narrative that the Libyan Jew uh, took the money, sold everything and abandoned Libya. And they don't know because it was a brainwash by Gaddafi that uh, the, the Libyan Jew has been compensated and they left Libya with peace, but it was not true. We never been compensated. We didn't live with peace. We have been uh, living because of the pogrom, because uh, the Jewish family wanted to rescue their life, uh, and then they say, okay, we started a refugee. We become refugee. I have even the certificate. Uh, we become refugee, and we lived uh, as refugee for a long time. We start from scratch, from below zero, with honesty and with dignity. And we stood up uh, again, but this is not only the Libyan Jewish history. This is the history of the Jew in general, and the, the resilience that is part of the uh, psychogenetic uh, of the Libyan Jew, not in a superior way, I'm telling. I just tell this uh, from a psychological point of view, with all the suffering that we have been accumulating through the century. If we see every time that we celebrate, we celebrate uh, that we are still alive. We see... We, Purim, we celebrated our life from uh, Amman, or Pesach, we are still alive because of uh, what's happened with the Pharaoh, or Hanukkah, we are still alive because of what, uh, what's happened with the Greek, or we are still alive with the first temple, second temple, and the Sephardi persecution, and the pogroms, all this, every time, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaZmut, every time the history of the Libyan of not the Libyan, at least of the of the Jew, is that we celebrate that in spite of everything, in spite of all the tragedy, in spite of everything, we are able to stay alive. But not only to stay alive, we are able to forgive, but not to forget, in order not to repeat the same 
the same mistake. In psychology and psychiatry, we say that uh, uh, insanity is keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. What I see in my history, in the history of my family, but the Jewish community, the Libyan Jewish community, I see an evidence uh, how it's possible to start uh, again in spite of all the difficulties. And what I'm doing as a work, if uh, there is any responsibility to foment the anti-Semitism or the racism or the discrimination, I try to behave uh, in the best way that I can in order to facilitate what my chief rabbi told me, Zichron Olivaham, may he rest in peace, what is, what is important is to stimulate the love of the other toward you by loving yourself, loving the other as you love yourself. It means in a sense of respecting the, the diversity. Certainly, it is a, a, a very good sentiment and uh, something which I think is is very powerful coming from the fact that, uh, you know, the Libyan Jewish community has been through uh, so much. Uh, David, uh, we're pretty much coming up to the end of our time for the interview. If someone wants to find out more about the Libyan Jewish community, wants to be in contact with you, uh, maybe wants to see how they can uh, be helping the community uh, given the 50 years since... Uh, uh, since the dispossession and uh, work I know that you're doing on in the international community to get uh, property back, how can they be of assistance? It will be great of assistance by giving uh, my, my telephone number and my email address. If you can, uh, is, uh, I don't know if I should give or you yeah, can yeah. give. No, you can, you, give us your email address. Give us your email address. David Gerby, D A V I D. G-E-R-B-I 26 at gmail.com or the telephone number is 0039-339-8847058. And one last thing that is important, that I've been doing the performance in the theater, in the Baxter Theater, in the theater in Johannesburg and in uh, in Pretoria, and I'm uh, doing again uh, the performance that is more related uh, to uh, to to fighting against discrimination, to coexistence of the diversity. If the if they are interested uh, to to have the performance back in South Africa, I will be very happy to to come back and to do the the new performance. Okay, certainly. And if uh, indeed you're listening to this program anywhere in the world, I uh, suppose uh, huge issues uh, with regards to anti-Semitism and discrimination. It's a big issue whether you're in South Africa or America. Uh, you're available to do it anywhere in the world, I'm assuming, David. Yes, yes, I'm available. I did it also in Japan. I did it in South Africa and uh, USA. I did it in, in Israel and in Italy. And I would be very happy to do it uh, in any place uh, that uh, is required. I'm really working not only as a psychologist, and I have a group of uh, 11 people that work with me as a volunteer to uh, to support uh, the uh, the human rights and to respect the human rights. This is the number one value that we have, and that often the problem is that the interest uh, close the eyes uh, to the human rights. And uh, it's important uh, to accept some little compromise, but not to sell the human rights for money. So it's very important to protect the human rights. This is what can allow us to coexist all together. If not, it's going to be, we go very, very easy back to the primordial era.
because uh, only interest and not value cannot bring uh, us so far. As in the Jewish tradition, we say, En kemach imen Torah, the en Torah imen kemach. There is uh, no Torah if you don't have the wheat, but there is no wheat without Torah. So we need to find a balance between the matter and the spirit, the human value and the interest. This is how I think we can uh, all collaborate to fight against discrimination, any kind of discrimination. It can be color, can be religion, can be sex, can be diversity, any kind in order to be one uh, one family in one house that we call the earth. Well, on that note, uh, great way to end the show. David Jerby, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate uh, having you on the New Blue Review. Thank you very much, Benny. It was really, really a pleasure. Send my best regards to Charisse. Thank yeah. you. I definitely, definitely will do that. Uh, Sharice being one of the other uh, presenters here on 101.9 Chai FM. And uh, if you enjoyed the show, if you have any comments, any interesting things about the Libyan Jewish community, please uh, let us know. You can tweet us on at Chai FM or at Benji underscore Shulman. Uh, very happy to take your compliments uh, and criticisms and commendations. Uh, thank you so much for being with us on the Blue Review, and we will see you next time. Thank you very much, Benji. Thank you also to Mandy that she was very kind and very effective. Yeah, Mandy and Vusi as well, uh, who are our uh, producers and uh, and our sound people. Yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.